Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com info info at easymedicaldevice.com and we'll help you for that. So talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we wanted to have some kind of uh, feedback about uh, how audits are going on within notified bodies. And for that, I have with me Martin Witte, who is working for Tufsud, and he will help us to understand uh, what went well, what maybe you should maybe adjust to have a better audit. So uh, Martin, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Monia. I'm happy to be back again. No problem. So yeah, Martin was already on, on some episode of the podcast where uh, we help to understand how to uh, have better audits uh, within quality, uh, regulatory affairs, etc. How audits are going on. So you can go and look at, look back at those uh, at those episodes. Uh, we talked also about significant change, which was a, a big topic also. Uh, so now we will after uh, MDR is live. Now we'll talk more about um, what goes well and what goes wrong maybe on that. But before that, Martin, can you just make a small introduction of maybe yourself? for TÜVSÜD? Sure. So I, Martin, did a work for TÜVSÜD, as, as you already mentioned. Um, um, started with the organization in 2014 as an auditor and uh, developed uh, over time. And now I'm responsible for strategic business development. TÜVSÜD is a uh, notified body under the MDR as well as under the IVDR and uh, among the biggest ones in this sector. Great. Um, so... QSUD is, as you said, MDR, IVDR. We have more and more, uh, 21, if I remember, I can't remember if it's uh, the, the list, 21 um, notified bodies that are now uh, MDR. I think during our last episode, it was like 18 or 17. So yeah. um, the beginning was like fast, but now it's growing every two months, maybe one or two, etc. So it's, uh, it's there. Uh, so um, MDR is now live. So let's say MDI is live since the 26th of May 2021. We talked about the fact that there is not enough notified bodies, that there will be a catastrophe because a lot of products will be discontinued on the market, uh, that uh, medical device uh, regulation is wrong, etc. So um, what is your kind of uh, feedback now after a few months? So we are in the uh, in, uh, beginning of August now. Um, what is your feedback about, uh, about the, this period, if I can say, after the, the date of application of EU MDR? Yeah, so even though we all had this image of a horror story uh, or a nightmare coming to us, I would say manufacturers as well as notified bodies up until now handled everything pretty well, given the circumstances. Yeah, So I'm pretty optimistic and I'm also surprised in how well under these circumstances everything worked okay. i do of course see all the struggles we having but i also want to make maybe sometimes a positive statement and i'm 
actually more surprised than shocked. No, I think it's it's correct. I'm also surprised because, uh, yeah, the the, the are, I mean, let's say that uh, date of application of the 26th of May is applicable to some products only. There is a lot of products that are still under certification under MDD. Uh, we had some issues. I mean, at the consulting side, we had some issues with some manufacturers that said, "Oh, my uh, my importer uh, doesn't want to to distribute my product anymore because I miss this, I miss that." So. The economic operators are playing also their role to uh, stop products that are not compliant to the UMDR, which is good. So there is those kind of issues, but out of that, there is not a, not, not a big, big uh, catastrophe. So as I've said, it's only for some products, not for every product. So uh, let's see in future maybe how this is uh, happening there. Um, a, a pronostic for IVDR, <laughs> catastrophe also? Or <laughs> I, I think it's very interesting because I've heard the commission talking about this and that they are analyzing the situation closely. And when they see that there is a need to postpone the IVDR, they will do it. Let's see. I, I think this is this is something you can really not predict. Yeah, I mean, uh, after after we said many times that MDR cannot be postponed, cannot be postponed, and it was postponed, so we, we never know. So I suppose they will really analyze day after day and see really if this yeah. is uh, the good time to do it or not. But uh, yeah, yeah, let's 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 look at that in the future. Um, Okay, so mainly, the, as I said, the topic of today is mainly that after a few months or maybe a year, because people were not starting to get audited by 26th of May 2021, but before, um, I suppose, as I've said, that you have some experience now with audits with medical device manufacturers and um, maybe discover a common, common issues that are happening within them. So, and maybe here the idea is can we disclose those issues and maybe tell them be ready on this be ready on that give them some tips maybe um, so that yeah we are helping also notified bodies so that auditors they will not see those issues again in future because yeah he will talk about general stuff we'll not talk about detailed elements uh, and um, yeah I, I wanted to ask you what are the most common issues so if you have maybe a, a top one top two top three or issues that are really happening so that we can really uh, look at that yeah so it's very interesting that uh, when we talk about this from a more general perspective and i know we go into some more details in in the later um, headlines if, if we look at the general mdr application one thing very often goes wrong and creates problems and that is actually the correct assignment of mda mdn mds and mdt codes okay and I get this because this is partly new uh, and partly there is guidance missing. Or, yes, like with the classification. However, there is an MDCG document talking about application of MDA, MDN, MDS, and MDT codes. And if you consult with that, it might help you to cor correctly identify the applicable codes. What very interesting is that MDT codes are very often assigned totally wrong. Yeah, because um, it's not understood that maybe for a pacemaker, you do, you do not need to cover all the technology codes that are in the supply chain, but it is, it is an electronic device, yes. And it is sterile, yes, and others. But this is something where I think we, we can become better and we can in a more communicative approach, solve these things quicker. So this this is the first thing. So so uh, for for this one, so uh, can we remind? Uh, do did we need that those kind of codes before within MDD, or it's the first time we are needing that with MDR? 
Well, we had something similar, but the MDT codes, um, the technology codes in that degree were not there. Yeah, So we had some, some special codes under the MDD and we have, have had, of course, the MD codes under the MDD. But to the extent it is present right now, it is new. And that's also under justifies that there is, of course, a little bit of adjustment in the system to get used with it. Yeah. So yeah, there is this um, uh, MDCG guidance, the MDR uh, codes guidance. We, I think we have now also the IVDR codes guidance for, uh, for IVDR. Um, those codes are mainly, uh, as you said, divided in MDA, MDN, uh, MDS, and MDT. So MDA yeah. is for active devices. MDN exactly. is for non-active devices. MDT for technology. MDS is for, can you, can you remind me what is it? Uh, it's special technologies like sterilization or animal origin, human origin materials. Or medicinal so those are special codes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, and remember, remember these codes, I do understand why manufacturers sometimes have a problem with it because these codes are mainly introduced in order to assign the right individuals on the notified body site for the assessment and for the audit. That means that they are mainly for us. Yeah. And that's also the reason why when a manufacturer comes with a list of codes, we might interpret it differently and that we decide, no, this is a different technology scope. And yeah. So uh, um, let's say, okay, I, I come to you with wrong codes or you identify that they are wrong codes and then things. So I suppose this will also delay your evaluation, delay the assignments of person yeah. and delay then the audit. Yeah, and that, that, that is very critical because if the assignment of individuals is not possible because of a wrong code, that will, of course, delay, first of all, the contractual processes like the quotation and placing the order and in the end, then also the audit, yes. But you need to plan um, with the relevant resources. And if you cannot plan with the relevant resources, uh, how can you make a contract? Okay. No, I think it's, so a, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very important initial thing to clarify. Okay. The codes as well as the classification. Yeah. Okay. Something else? Um, <laughs> very interesting. A lot of companies, and this, this, this sometimes comes outside of Europe to play are unfamiliar with what the manufacturer name is. That, that is very interesting, yeah? That in some corporates, but also in smaller companies where they have subsidiaries, it's not clear who is the legal manufacturer. Yeah. And that is also something where there is a lot of discussion always. And um, sometimes you are having companies doing business in the name of a different company, and that creates some back and forth in, in, in the communication between the notified body and the customer. Yeah. No, I think I, I saw that also, uh, as I've said, I have uh, customers also outside of Europe and they are also confused when I tell them who is the legal manufacturer. I mean, what, what I try to do is to say, look at the label and look at the small plant, black plant, who is the name behind it? And this is normally the legal manufacturer. And exactly. they are always confused and say, oh, but I thought it was the 
the Chinese company that I'm using as a supplier for my products, etc. No, 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 because the Chinese company is, don't, is not legally placing those products on the market. It's you who is placing those products on the market. So yeah. I agree that we have some education also to do on this kind of thing. But um, but uh, yeah, and, and there is this, this issue about OEM, OBL also that can be raised out of that because they say, I am the legal manufacturer, but at the end, I'm just commercializing the products and I'm not taking care of anything related to uh, manufacturing or whatever, which can be also an issue for, for UMDR because you have to have all the technical file, all the information exactly. for the product. Yeah. So which is uh, maybe also something that people don't really understand. But yeah, I, I, I go with you on this one. I know that there is a lot of issues on that. Yeah. And maybe also the complexity of the application forms. Yes, and that's also something we need to work on. So that's not always something the manufacturers need to work on, but that's also something that notified bodies need to approach and maybe, uh, yeah, also collaborate in identifying the right content for the yeah. application. So it is of course difficult because we don't want to give advices and we cannot consult, but sometimes um, elements in the application might not be that obvious to the other side of yeah yeah I agree table. With you. yeah another one on general or are we go on another topic no that's that's basically it I mean we can talk a lot about basic UDIDI not being mentioned but I think those elements are have been addressed before and um, yeah. I think there yeah, is a kind of also a transition period that we have to apply here just to make the people understand because it's a completely new thing. And I, I know that there are a lot of people that are confused. The American people are confused because they have a UDI code, yeah. uh, but they don't have a basic UDI idea. So we, we ask them, what is your basic UDI idea? I say, what's that? <laughs> what are we talking about? So yeah. uh, they are, uh, if yeah. I can say, uh, confirmed because they already have UDI, but it's not the, the case. But yeah, UDI and is also another, another point. Um, connected to that is actually also if basic UDI idea is there so what is actually the product what is 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 the product a system or what are we assessing here and uh, that i i really liked uh, your video about uh procedure packed yeah, and system with and uh with with eric and yeah, with eric. Uh, if people watch that one they also understand that there is that this is a completely different universe again. And uh, this often creates problems, especially in more complex medical devices, which manufacturers often put into one technical documentation and want to cover them with one application, but products might not fall under the same conformity assessment procedure. And that, of course, doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and that, that is sometimes a struggle uh, especially in more complex systems, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And this is something that, uh, yeah, we have some adjustment to do, but uh, I hope, yeah, we can help them also with this podcast to give them the right direction yeah. on what they yeah. have to do there. Okay, next one. What What uh, is the, your next topic about uh, common issues? Yeah, then we... Oh, clinical, huh? I mean... <laughs> yeah, clinical, I think, is uh, the biggest one for everyone. So, yeah. Yes. Apart from general, we also talk about clinical. And here, I must say I'm a little bit surprised. Okay. And I was really surprised about the feedback I got from our clinical reviewers and experts. And um, I, you might also want to link your video to, to that MDCG document that came out uh, and where you mentioned that the CEAR template yeah. that was published by the MDCG exactly. is, of course, the foundation of the manufacturer's CER. This is something like when we talk in technical terms, this is a specification. Yeah. 
you should take this into consideration. No, you not should. You must take this into consideration. And it is really surprising how often it is not taken into consideration, how often information is just missing, and how often we cannot trace certain elements that we have to document in the CEAR in the CER of the manufacturer. So as this document is out for quite a while now, this is now becoming a little bit surprising that there is not yet an adoption to, 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 to this template. And this is concerning also because yeah. it delays. We discussed, we discussed about that, about the fact that uh, guys, this MDCG guidance was issued uh, it gives you the keys <laughs> to, uh, um, to, if I can say, pass any CECR audit. It gives you all the questions they will ask you. Uh, you can make maybe a mock inspection and just check that everything is really, that is mentioned, this guidance is there, etc. But from what you are saying, apparently, uh, people are maybe thinking, oh, I am already an expert on uh, clinical evaluation reports with MDD, so it's fine, I can pass MDR, but there are still some changes here, so people have really to uh, to educate again themselves on some aspects of the MDR. And this one, as you've said, it's it's giving you all the keys, so if you pass this one, may, I, I'm not saying that by having the answers to all this one, you will have 100% chance to pass, but mainly 90% um, chance that everything is, is, co is correct with that. There will maybe be the discussion on some elements, because I had some discussion on some of those elements there, uh, but for the rest, it should be fine normally. At least you get away from these administrative or formal things. Yeah, We are not talking about is the information there or not, or is information missing, but we are talking about the information, the content. I don't want notified body employees and manufacturers to discuss about format and templates and is information available. We all want them to talk about the content and decide about the safety of the device. Because in the end, we need to make this decision and we need to make that assessment. So as long as we discuss about template and format, it will just just delay that decision. And that and, doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And and I suppose that it's also frustrating for both parties because at the yeah. end, both parties want to, to discuss about the project, but you are obliged, if I can say, to ask those questions about the formal elements and manufacturer has to answer, even if they think it's nothing, it's just uh, some kind of uh, of, uh, of detail, uh, but, but mainly it's your duty, if I can say, to ask that. So uh, for manufacturers, yeah, just yeah, follow, if I can say, this guidance or this, uh, these elements, and then uh, you will you will go directly to the the real question to the to the product instead of uh, still um, yeah talking about a point that is missing or a chapter that is not right or whatever that that is not good on the template. And maybe maybe uh, one thing to add here: um, the CEAR template is not exclusively for class two B and uh, class two B implantable and class three devices. Yeah, the CEAR template is for all devices. So the clinical evaluation of all devices needs to cover these elements, even though for some, the notified body, plus one devices, might never be involved. Still, the CER needs to provide the information required by the CEAR. 
And, so and, this is... and it's, it's something we discussed also with Basil Akrai. I remember doing one podcast because he said that the CAR, as it came out, it's now also raised the bar for even class one products or lower class products because we ask you the same information as for class three products. So it's like raising the bar for everything. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's mainly something that is good, if I can say in a certain way, but maybe also provide more work for the, the product that are class one, uh, yeah. the class one there. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything, any other topic? Yeah. Then I've gotten interesting feedback from our biocompatibility experts. And this is also something that uh, might help uh, some of the people out there. I do understand that from the biocompatibility side of things, maybe there were not too many changes, especially in regard to ISO 10993 um, because of the MDR. Yeah. Yet, there are requirements in the MDR which might not be covered by uh, 10993-related test reports created two years ago. And that is actually something we often see that when assessments are supported by evidence coming from, let's say, two-year-old biocompatibility data, um, some elements like uh, CMR or endocrine substances or um, uh, particle contamination are not addressed. And that is, of course, a problem. Yeah? If, if I have the full, full suite of test reports and I submit this and I believe, okay, I did this uh, one and a half years ago, according to 10993 latest version and should comply with the MDR, but I, we cannot identify the specific requirements from the MDR, then we also start there a discussion. And the problem here is that when you need to do new testing, it will delay your um, approval significantly because test laboratories might be booked out and uh, yeah, you have to perform the tests, which takes some time. Yeah. And this is something I've, I've heard from our biocompatibility experts is happening quite frequently. So, um here we are talking about uh, the fact that the latest version of the uh, 10993 uh, is not including some of those requirements. Um, and the laboratories don't know because we, we ask the laboratories, can you make me the test following the 10993 uh, for a class uh, uh, 2A product that is in contact for uh, 60 minutes or more, etc. cetera. Uh, and yeah. then they will do the tests that are needed, but they will miss some of those. So we as a manufacturer should tell the laboratory, add those additional yeah. tests because we need that. Exactly. You're the customer of the test laboratory. You're giving them the recipe for the meal you want. And if you miss main components, you will not have them on your plate. And that is really the problem here. And I, I can I can also understand the manufacturers that say, okay, I, yeah. I'm following the 10993. Um, why? <laughs> my, my, maybe my stupid question will be, uh, why the standard doesn't contain this requirement? Because it should be aligned with MDR, I suppose. So is this yeah. something that maybe we should update in the next version? Because it will help a lot of manufacturers to say, here is the list of tests. I will not need to think about that anymore because it's here. It, that is, I love your question because this is, this brings up the a, a more or less philosophical discussion around regulation or regulations yeah. and standards. So, what is 
superior and what follows what. And uh, of course, regulation is always something that regulates something. Yeah. And following the regulation, standards are developed. And if you develop a standard in accordance to a regulation, then yes, I would say, yeah, then you need to update your standard. But a standard also needs to cover a lot of regulations. Yeah? Not only, uh, yeah. um, on, it doesn't need to cover regulations. It's actually more like there is experts talking about biocompatibility, knowing about it much more than I do, because I don't know anything about it, a little bit. But uh, these people know what to focus on, but regulators might add something to this. And that's also the reason why when you get, for example, the harmonized standard in the in, in the in the appendix, you will find things that are missing. That is the nature of things. In those elements that are missing, you need to get active and you need to do something. And currently we have, of course, the situation and the problem that it's not clearly documented in the standards what MDR requirements are not covered. Okay, so um, I think it's, uh, uh, thank you for, for this one, because I think uh, this is a trap there where many manufacturers will fall in because, uh, as I've said, they, they are really following the standard and say, oh, I'm compliant to 10.993, so I'm fine. But here, no, you are not because there is still some elements that you have to follow. And yeah, please uh, ha have a look at those ones for CMR, for, for the rest, so that uh, for particles, so that uh, uh, you are really um, checking the compliance. So this is also, I think, a good exercise for the regulators to know exactly those kind of tips, if I can say, because this makes, makes, makes them expert in the area, those kind of tips so that they can do. But yeah, if we can have an update of some regulations or, or some uh, standards can help also in that case. So um, it's not harmonized for now because we have some harmonized standards that uh, were issued. This one, uh, I can't remember if it was on the list of harmonized standards because there was a first batch that was released, but I think this one was not there. I need to look it up. Yeah, I need to look also. But uh, you can look also there. There was a, a first batch of, of harmonized standards that were issued. Uh, I remember there was one on sterilization or other things. So um, mm. look at that. But as soon as it is harmonized, then maybe there will be more information for, for you there. Um, at least it helps. Yeah, at least it helps. Exactly. Um, so... Okay, let's... Um, we had our top three, if I can say, regarding the, the issues. Yeah. Um, is there any advice because um, people are now uh, submitting their application, etc. They are waiting for the audit date. So in the meantime, they are preparing. So what are some advice that you can give them during this preparation? What are the things that you say, okay, these things, uh, maybe you should, because during the audit, you identify some issues and say, these things maybe can help you to be more well prepared for, for, for an audit. So is there anything that you would advise manufacturers to prepare themselves for that? Yeah, I think there is one thing I'd like to raise here. It is a discussion we've seen coming up more frequently in the last three to six months. And also in discussions with manufacturers, this came up a lot here in TÜV Süd. It is the applicability of MDCG documents. Okay. And the, the, the reason why this is a big topic is those are guidance documents. Yeah? yeah. And guidance documents, and the commission is always saying this, are not legally binding. And that is technically, so from, from a law science perspective, correct? Yeah, they are not legally binding. 
However, in the end, that doesn't make them unapplicable. Yeah? The point with this is the MDCG guidance documents are understood as the state-of-the-art interpretation of the MDR by the member states. Yeah. So when the member states agree on a definition, on an interpretation, on a state-of-the-art, how a certain topic in the MDR must be understood, then these member states logically would give this to their competent authorities and they will check notified bodies if they use the MDCG documents and check against the MDCG documents with the manufacturers they are auditing. So connecting a little bit to the clinical topic I raised, the MDCG guidance documents are extremely important and they need to be considered. And we can, of course, start a philosophical discussion about is it legally required or not? And if you can, if you decide not to apply an MDCG document, that is legally possible. But then you have to justify why you're doing this and how you achieve the same level or a superior level of safety, for example, um, to what was documented in the MDCG documents. And that makes it, of course, extremely difficult. And I, I'm not saying that it's not possible to have a different interpretation of a certain element in an MDCG document. But if you do so, you need to document it and then you need to be able to justify it. So um, but yes, one, question, one question that maybe people will, will tell is the fact that um, in this period, actually, uh, there is a MDCG guidance that is issued every day, <laughs> every week. So at the end, it took me many months, if I can say, to prepare for my audits. I arrived to the end and then, boom, an MDCG guidance arrived that changed completely my focus. If I can say to say, I was going in the direction, but the MDCG says, no, you have to go in that direction. Yeah. So at the end, I'm here like, what the hell? What should I do here? What's, what's, what's the point here? So uh, within your interpretation, so um, is it like from one day to another, I have to apply it? Or is there like a transition period, like what we are doing with the standards where we say, oh, you have maybe two or three years to implement that? So... There is no transition period, and that is also because of the technical discussion around is it a regulation or is it a standard? No, it's not. Um, so per definition, it doesn't have a transition period. Okay. Yet everybody in the ecosystem understands that you cannot switch something from one day to the other. Yeah. But it now it's getting a bit shaky, <laughs> but it shouldn't take too long, <laughs> whatever exactly, that means. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if an MDCG document comes out, let's say the MDCG document for the CEAR template came out. Yeah. And uh, um, now the notified bodies need to use this. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you cannot use it from the one day to the next day. But with this one, maybe you could, but you need to implement it in your quality management system. But doing it two years after publication is neither justifiable. Yeah. So um, it is a case-by-case -case decision, honestly. So it also depends on the impact it has. And sometimes also if that affects some risks or risk mitigation factors. So if it is addressing patient safety, the transition period you 
can take might be much shorter than to things that are more formal. Okay. And um, 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 we have also to clarify one thing is the fact that uh, you are, as a notified body, obliged to verify uh, following those NDCG guidances also. It's something that you have to do because mainly the EU Commission, the competent authority will verify that when they will audit you. Exactly. So our competent authority um, gets these MDCG documents, so, so to say, as, their, as part of their audit plan when they audit us. So if, if they audit us for compliance to these documents, then we logically need to audit our clients in order to comply to these guidance documents. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, something that is important to say just for manufacturers that maybe think, oh, they are too mean, uh, those notified bodies, you see, uh, they are auditing us on that, but it was just published uh, two weeks ago, etc. So we didn't have time to implement. But it's not because they are mean, it's just because they have that on their quality management system and they have to audit you. And they will also get audited. And I suppose that you don't want to get a non-conformance because of that. <laughs> so the idea here is uh, yeah, to, to really uh, do, the, do your job uh, on this. Um, and what okay. you were just mentioning, maybe to add something there, if, if something is published today and in three weeks there is an audit and the auditor asks you, do you know of the MDCG document uh, 2021-I don't know what the next number will be, yeah. seven, and you answer, no, never heard of it. This and can it's be a out problem. for three weeks, that's maybe not the answer you, you would expect as an auditor, yeah? Yeah, because you have to be, if I can say you have, you have to have this regulatory update uh, system that is checking regularly what is happening. Uh, but maybe, <laughs> let's, let's be on the side of the manufacturer. Maybe this yeah. is a frequency of one month and not of three weeks. So it can be also. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe the three weeks example is not the best and not that people go crazy. Now we have to check it daily. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> But there is, there is also, in, uh, you can also um, get, get, get notifications when something is published. Yeah. yeah? And, and as all of us do yeah, on social media, something is published and the next day the whole community knows it. Exactly. And, uh, and we discussed uh, about that with uh, one, uh, one company, which is called Medboard. So Medboard is also a company that is uh, uh, making these regulatory updates and giving you notifications. So you can also go to Medboard uh, and try to, uh, to register uh, to this company. They are doing all the regulatory updates, not only Europe, everywhere in the world. So this is something that is uh, really, uh, really helpful. Um, then I have a, maybe a more funny thing that to ask you because I got a lot of questions from some manufacturers and I, I had also that question myself because when I was working for uh, corporate uh, companies, we had to get auditors, etc. And the question was, uh, can I invite auditors to a restaurant? Can I give them a gift? Can I, um, what is the limit of that I should not pass in terms of that? Because within my companies, there were so a lot of meetings about this kind of question and then some policies to say, no, you don't invite them because of this. There will can be some corruption that they, they will think there is a corruption here, etc. So what is the, on the other side, if I can say, on the notified body, what is the discussion you have related to that? The fact that when you arrive to, uh, to a company, there will be maybe a, a bottle of champagne or whatever, and they, they give that to you. I, I have made a, a, a cartoon on that just to welcome Mr. Auditor with a, a lot of a spa, a jacuzzi, this and that. So what is, what is the information that you can maybe provide to the manufacturers to say, this you don't have the right, but maybe this you have the right to do? Yeah. So... I think this is 
very complex topic because it also depends on what are the legal requirements in the country where the notified body is located. Um, then what does the quality management system of the company you're auditing is telling that organization in terms of compliance? And also we have, of course, compliance standards. And uh, your example with, uh, I, I get the president suite in a hotel and then there is a magnum bottle of champagne that's obviously not acceptable. Okay. And we have, of course, processes in place how to handle these kind of situations. Um, for example, if you are in an audit situation and you get lunch served, then of course we can take that because that is part of that work there. So this is not something um, we, we would reject. Um, if you serve lobster and caviar for lunch, then maybe we get in a little bit of an awkward situation and maybe that is not acceptable. Okay. So I think there is a very easy rule here. And I don't know how other, other notified body handle this or how people in general handle this, but I would say in general, if you feel awkward in a certain situation, then that is a very good indicator that something is not right. Okay. And yes, there are cultural differences between countries. And there is even cultural differences between countries like Germany and Austria in terms of what is acceptable in, in, in providing as a gift or as a dinner or something like that. And as long as you are aware of these cultural differences um, and also understand the other side, um, then I think you cannot do a lot of things wrong. Gifts, I wouldn't accept. Yeah. So okay. gifts are really something. If, if at the end of the audit, someone is giving me a gift because I haven't given them a non-compliance, yeah, then, then I would create a huge non-compliance myself. Okay. So this is absolutely not acceptable. Okay. So anything related to the outcome of the audit is unacceptable. Yeah. Great. Oh, you so don't get lunch because you've given us a non-conformity. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I imagine, yeah, that uh, uh, some people will give you a lot of things just to say, oh, we are really nice with you. So uh, at the end, please be nice with us also, etc. So yeah, it's not really working because uh, as we said, uh, you are also audited uh, from uh, your competent authority related to the audits that you are doing. So it's not like you are the kings, if I can say, on, on, in there, you, you, you are also doing your job for, and you, you are accredited for that. So it's mainly something that you have also to manage. So it's why uh, there is some of those rules that are that are happening here. So, but it's great. So thank you for this uh, for this precision on that. So no bottle of champagne, no president suite. So. <laughs> Please not. Yeah. If, if um, I okay. give it, yeah, no. <laughs> Fine. Okay. So um, if uh, so, yeah. Um, do you have maybe some uh, information about tube suit? So uh, are you still looking for for some auditors? Yes, so uh, the ecosystem is growing. The regulatory affairs uh, headcounts are growing. Um, as the German authority once said, or the German Ministry of Health, the um, notified body resources uh, increased by 400% over the last uh, okay. three years, I guess. And yes, this continues. So um, if people are interested in, a, when possible, again, very international activity, uh, well, also connected with traveling, um, and getting insight into different manufacturers' approaches to compliance, 
I think working with a notified body is a very, very interesting career opportunity. So yes, we are looking for auditors, product specialists, and clinical experts. And uh, if anybody outside uh, feels that now is the time to, to make this move, um, I would strongly suggest to go to the TÜVSUIT website and uh, check the career section. Great. So thank you for that. And yeah, um, we need you. We need you as an auditor also. So don't hesitate to go and to uh, to get the, those kind of jobs. And as, as you mentioned, so this is something that uh, gives you a lot of experience also. Uh, being on that side can help you also when you will maybe come back to the manufacturer side uh, to help them to be compliant also. So it's uh, also a good thing. Um, okay. True. So then people can follow up with you directly on, on the website uh, and uh, go there. Or I think there will be the open position directly there. Yep. Good. So uh, really, thank you. So for people that are uh, listening to this uh, podcast or are watching this on, on the YouTube channel, don't hesitate to provide some likes, some comments also just to say that you liked it. And uh, uh, if you have any question, please uh, raise your question uh, and I will send that directly to Martin if there is anything that uh, he can answer, he can help us with. Uh, and if you have any other um, uh, yeah, activities or you need some support, so please contact me at info at easymedicaldevice.com info info at easymedicaldevice.com Okay, Martin, so really it was a pleasure to have you and I wish you a nice day. Thank you very much and uh, have a nice day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it and also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.